Hey there and welcome to Nerdium, the podcast that looks at the troubled world around us, the problems we face, and throws that all out to focus on the important things. Gaming, movies, comics, and all things nerdy. I'm your host Matt, and this giant bald nerd next to me is Carrie. This is episode 2 of the podcast. Today we talk about trends in the gaming industry and what we've seen so far. We talk about microtransactions and the controversy over EA games, changes to gaming since we've started gaming, and releases to HD and VR platforms. With no further delay, let's get the show started. Punch it. In nerd news this week, we are less than a month away from Marvel's first volley of the year with the opening of Black Panther. Chadwick Boseman will play the titular hero who we were introduced to back in Civil War, and this movie will focus on the Black Panther's return to Wakanda, where his return will be marred by enemies conspiring to bring down the kingdom and possibly the world. Black Panther will hit theaters on February 16th, which sounds like a great idea for a post-Valentine's night out. Maybe instead of candy or chocolates, you get that nerd in your life what they really enjoy, some advanced tickets to your local theater. And in DC's Doing Stuff 2 news, Black Lightning premiered this week on The CW. This is the next in what appears to be a solid run of DC-based TV series, and this one stars Cress Williams as a retired Black Lightning, who after years of retirement is dragged back into action when his daughters are kidnapped by the 100, the gang he'd initially formed an agreement with. It should be noted that Black Lightning takes place separate from the Arrowverse, populated by the likes of Arrow and Flash and others, and that's not to say that they're not eventually going to meet in one of their yearly crossover events. However, at this time, it's going to be a standalone show running on its own merits. Initial reviews have been positive, citing its gritty nature and tackling various social issues surrounding things like racial profiling, the draw of youth to gang culture, and a litany of comparisons to the present-day social and political climate. Now, initially, we here in Canada don't get this. CTV, which airs the other DC shows, didn't bother picking it up. However, it's been reported that it will appear on Netflix as a Netflix original starting on January 23rd. So if you missed it on the CW, make sure you grab it then. On the gaming front, fans eagerly awaiting the Final Fantasy VII remake we've all been promised will have to wait yet another year until sometime in 2019 when it will be hopefully released as an episode format. So think like Telltale Games or something along that line, which I'm not a personal big fan of. I typically prefer my video game in whole form, but you know, what can you do? Until then, if you're looking for something to scratch that new game itch, Far Cry 5 is set to launch near the end of March. Or you can join me running around DC Universe Online as the AAA titles of this year get released throughout the year. Up on the comic front, I'll let my bias slip a little bit on this, but Batman writer Tom King will be writing a story arc about a place called Sanctuary. This sanctuary will be a place run by the Trinity that is Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, whose goals are to help heroes with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of you will know King as the writer for Batman during DC's Rebirth, and if you've had the pleasure of reading the I.M. Bane story arc or the War of Jokes and Riddles, you'll know his work from there. Batman and DC bias to the side, I've had a great time reading his work. It's the right amount of action, adventure, drama, and a surprisingly amount of emotion. I've been quite taken back by some of the feels that that guy writes into his stories. Plus, as someone who has friends who are veterans, first responders, and in some cases victim of crime, it's good to see an issue like PTSD being brought up. Hopefully it'll give encouragement to those affected and help make them see the help they deserve. And finally, for those HBO nerds out there, Westworld Season 2 is scheduled for this year. After last year's epic and surprising ending, we could see a release as early as spring. Something for us to keep our eyes on while struggling through this winter. Think of it as like the light at the end of the tunnel, guys. Now, if you haven't seen Season 1, or maybe you just weren't a fan of the 1973 movie, you owe it to yourself to watch the first season. I'd recommend either buying the DVD or getting yourself an HBO subscription. 
Do what you got to do because this is an epic show. The blend of sci-fi, western, and just all-around great drama is done superbly here. Plus, it's only fair you catch up. Eventually, Matt and I are going to have to discuss this, and there won't be any spoiler warnings. That does it for Nerd News. Now I'll throw it back over to Matt for this week's episode. So uh, a big thing in the media today is uh, for uh, gaming trends is like the microtransactions these days. From our good friends at EA Games. Yeah, that uh, big Star Wars uh, Battlefront 2 fiasco that blew up. Enraged fans, burnt down cities, overturned cars. Yeah, we'll, we'll never forget these cities that have been burnt down. Yeah. But what uh, what's your take on the on the whole loot box thing? You're a gamer. Uh, I trip like I haven't really played a whole lot of online games since becoming a father, so it's been kind of difficult to kind of spread my time out, try to focus on games that I can kind of be I'm able to pause mm. and run off to deal with screaming babies. Um, those typically don't have a lot of loot crates in them. No, it's that that's very very true. We'll we'll get to the single player game yeah. aspect in a minute, but I've. Uh, I still stick on with a couple of online games mm-hmm. um, because we're all big nerds. I like to play DCUO, DC Universe Online for, for quite a bit, probably more so than I should ever, as a man, be entitled to play. Uh, but, they, <laughs> but they used to have loot boxes, but it was always one of those, listen, we're going to give you, we're guaranteed to give you this, and then maybe you're going to get this, mm-hmm. but we're always going to guarantee you this. And there's, there's a plethora of MMO games that I've played, you know, just Star Trek Online, DCU Online, even... Uh, um, Elder Scrolls Online, you know, it was one of those. We're going to have like little microtransactions that you can touch upon to aid your experience, but most of it's always cosmetic. You're yeah. Not really, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people that will scream about pay to win and all this sort of stuff, and it's just ah, I don't know, man. I understand the industry's attempt to try to justify it. You know, games nowadays. Uh, GTA, the last GTA cost 137 million dollars to make. You know. Video game prices haven't changed all that much. Mm. Not yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. you get a big enough seller, you're going to make your profit. Yeah. But it's always, you know, you're always kind of looking for that secondary stream. Yeah. You know, it keeps the game game down. But, you know, and then this is a lesson to, to any of the fathers out there, or mothers for that matter. Um, like, I used to have my credit card just logged into my PSN account. All fun and games. Until I see my one-year-old son playing with my controller and almost buying a bunch of games for daddy because he just <laughs> loves me. Uh, so there, there's that real risk, right? Like your microtransactions can be fine. You're an adult. You know what you're doing. But then on the other hand, I don't think your kids are always going to know exactly where that money's coming from, right? No. It's just an endless pool of dad's cash. And the big problem with you saw with that when kind of microtransactions really started on phone apps where kids yeah, are playing with parents' phones and downloading all these extra little things and yeah, that's, costing tons of money. And that's always the big danger of those ones. Like, Try calling P- PlayStation saying, hey, my son just bought these five games with my credit card. Can I have my money back, please? Uh, that, that's never really worked out well for anybody, or at least not to many people that I've ever heard of anyway. Yeah. But then it, it, it always seems to me, when you, when you have too many microtransactions, especially with a game like Battlefield, like, are you getting a full game or you get a full game with an option to buy the rest of the game. Exactly, yeah. You know, Destiny hit me with that one when I first bought Destiny. It's like, sure, you can have this game, but we're going to make it clear that there's something more here. Just, we're just going to put it behind a paywall. Yeah. I'd rather you charge me a little bit more for the game. Give me the game. I'll pay the money. Yep. Right? Like, we're, we, we've just come off, come off of Christmas. You know, Santa Claus has put many a video game under Christmas trees. I'd rather those just be the game. Yeah. Know? 
I don't mind supporting my favorite studios. I definitely don't mind supporting my games. But it, it kind of gets out of hand where the best parts of the game are hidden behind paywalls. And, and to, e, to EA's credit, they did kind of go back and say, okay, fine, you know, we're going to, we're just going to make it, make it a progression system. We're sorry we got caught, <laughs> you know, or sorry we got our hands caught in the cookie jar, guys. Yeah, sorry, I guess it is gambling. You know, but it is, it is exactly that. It's, it's no different than that. And there's a, uh, a gentleman in, I want to say that, I don't think he's in the Senate, it's Chris Lee. He's a, he's a Democrat from Hawaii. He's come along and said, listen, these things are clearly gambling. Mm-hmm. Because with loot crates, you don't know what's in them. Yep. You know, all the games I play, they make it abundantly clear. You're going to buy a box of resources, and it might come with this, but you're buying a box of resources. Yep. Um, with the loot crate system, and it's not just, you know, Battlefield is just a number in a long series of numbers of titles that it's always been, you know, we'll give you this little box and you might get something worthwhile out of that. Just give us your money. Yeah. You know, if, if they if they're a little bit more genuine about it, I could see like, okay, fine. Yes, seems like they're trying to exploit a a system that's not really well kind of regulated or monitored for. Exactly. I mean, it's it's fashionable to shit on EA right now. Yeah. But it's I mean, it's not just EA. Like EA is probably one of the most notorious for it. Yeah, they've been doing it for a while with all their sports games, uh, all their Battlefield games. Yeah, exactly. The thing is. You know, I, I long gone are the days where you and I would sit down with a console, put in a cartridge, turn it on, and you got the whole game. Yeah. You know, that was it. There, there were no downloads, right? If you played your Nintendo, there were no patches. A glitch was in the game. The glitch stayed in the game. Uh, there was no DLC. If you wanted the next chapter in Mario, you went to the store and you convinced your parents that you really needed that next Mario cartridge. Yeah. Nowadays with online, well, not only is it more readily available, a lot of these developers have seen an untapped resource. Just keep feeding us money. And it's, I started taking notice with the free-to-play games on like, your Candy Crushes and all this other stuff online. But I never, ever thought that it would kind of get to what it is now. Like It is a huge, huge cash cow for the industry. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's severely unregulated. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to be coming down the pipeline. Yeah, get a lot of uh, those young kids uh, exposed to gambling early on and catch them then get them well, addicted so that's just it you know who's to say that a kid doesn't get a couple of crates all of a sudden he gets everything he wants because why not that's you always have that one friend that always seems to get the good roles in any game that you're playing yeah uh, that transitions to the rest of the world you know and gambling was always an idiot tax for me I just never had money for it says a guy that has an extensive video game collection I never <laughs> had money for gambling but it's still something that should probably be handled very very carefully like, you know, video games are one thing, but when you can just start throwing money out the window from your own couch, it's a lot easier to spend, like I said, mom and dad's money or even your own money. It's not like it's not it's somebody else's credit card that was on my system. You mm-hmm. know, it's easy to spend that money, and it's, it's, it could be really, really dangerous. Yeah. Like, I don't have any problems with, like, as you said, like, paying for quality kind of additions to games. Like, one of the kind of more successful ways that's been handled is... Uh, say Warcraft like, mm-hmm. instead of kind of like a it's not exactly like a DLC they call them expansion packs or expansion games where mm-hmm. it's almost an entire it is an entirely different storyline more chapters usually a new addition to the map like weapons mounts yeah. all that kind of stuff so it's well done like you're spending a lot of money on a lot more of the game Yeah. instead of buying like with Destiny you go buy one of the DLCs that gives you an extra 30 minutes of a 
Well, exactly. a plot, so. I mean, e- even Warcraft isn't isn't an exemption from like the middle of the game. You suddenly desi- decide you want X, Y, or Z from a from an online store. It's it's still there. It is. But it, it seems that 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 WoW handled it a little bit better. Like like I said, my my DCU handles it pretty good, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, there are plenty of people that would argue. That that they're not handling it very well, but in my to my taste, they're handling it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 when you start playing around with with these microtransactions of well, if you pay this much, we're going to give you this, but we're going to keep just enough to the side in case you want to spend that extra five or six dollars. You know, when you when you and I were talking earlier about Injustice Two, you know, you get the seasons pass, you unlock a bunch of extra characters, but we're going to just put Dark Side off to the side here, <laughs> and if you would like him. By all means, give us a little bit more money. Yeah, like when you see seasons pass, you think that means for the entire I guess, season, whatever that would be, you get everything. But it's literally here's what the season pass is, and then also there's still extra things that are off the side that you just can't get. Exactly. If they're paying more, so it, it always kills me that if you're going to say it's a season's pass, give me everything that's in the season. Yeah. Don't give me the season, and if you want to spend this extra money, here you go. Um, one, one of the gaming companies out there that's really trying to clean that up is Project Red, where a lot of people know them from The Witcher 3, and they have, I believe it's Steampunk coming out this year, and they've made it abundantly clear that they've drawn a line with microtransactions. There will be DLC, there will be a Seasons Pass, there will be things to buy, sure, absolutely. But they also, when you buy their base game, ensure you that there's going to be all kinds of extra upgrades that they're just going to send out to you. And then... If you want to buy the episodes, the the, the DLC, excuse me, that DLC is going to be there to buy. There's not going to be suddenly all of this, oh, by the way, here's a chance if you just give us a little bit of money. Or here's a little bit of this if you give us a little bit more cash. They're, the way they handled Witcher 3 was fantastic. And I, I'd like to see that trend kind of continue. You know, it seems the smaller developers are taking notice of what EA, and, and like we said before, not just EA, but they're the ones in the news right now. I've started to do just trying to nickel and dime and nickel and dime and nickel and dime. Mm-hmm. A fairly successful game that with the online component is uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, where their microtransactions is like mostly just buying in like in game money on like, the exactly. uh, shark cards. Yeah, you don't need it to play, and it's there if you want it, but it's perfectly fine if you don't because you can just go out and grind that money out. Exactly, and that's been pretty fun that way. Like you can. Takes a lot longer to buy that shiny sports car that everybody's driving around. For sure, they have mom and dad's credit card, but 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 that that just kind of brings it up to what you said with uh, being a new dad. You know, you have responsibilities that you can't just shirk off. I mean, you could shirk off, but I'm pretty sure that neither of our partners would really no. allow us to shirk them off, either <laughs> through physical force or other means. But it's it's kind of one of those things where you know there are people out there that really just kind of need the boost because they don't have that time to put in. So they just kind of want to just get it out of the way. They got a little bit of extra cash to spend, so they want to keep up. And and to to a degree, I I completely understand that. Yeah. You know, I completely get it. For me to do a lot of grinding in a game is is difficult on a good day, and I still manage to squeeze in about an hour of gaming right before I have to go to work. Because yeah. once I get home, it's it's dad time. Plus whatever else I have going on out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not just being a dad. It's it's life in general as a whole can take away when you get to a certain point in your life a lot of your game time. Yeah, and if you can afford it, it's not a problem. But the main point though is that uh, like it's not a necessity for the game. Like exactly, you can keep the game going, you can keep playing levels, 
you can keep doing whatever you want to do. It's not something that you need for the game. Like where Destiny had it, you pretty much continue on to play with anybody else online. You needed the extra content so you could go do the extra missions. Yeah. Yeah, Join the fire teams and all that. It, it's it seemed like they games like Destiny they they weren't as upfront. We, you know we knew that there would be DLC coming up. Yeah, but then there was all the other things that kind of came in behind that. It's like well, you know I expect there when I buy a video game, especially nowadays, I expect there to be DLC at some point in time. It's just it's just the way the industry has gone. It's you get your game and then you're going to play that game. And depending on how greedy you are, you're going to beat that game in however many hours. Well, if it's a good enough game, you're going to want more of that game. So most developers have gone out of their way to give you a DLC. Here you go. Here's a little extra to go. And, and I mean, I have no problem with season passes. You know, yeah. I'll pay for a season pass if, if it's a franchise that I love, like the Arkham series. I'll drop money for that season pass and not even blink. No. You know, I've never been let down by that uh, by that series. Uh, Arkham Origins was a little rough, but I've never really been let down by that series. No, it's normally pretty well done. You know what I? So I don't mind doing that. It's well, you know, here's we're we're gonna hide this over here. We're gonna make you you can do most of the Riddler missions, but if you want some more Riddler missions, you got to pay for them all. Yeah, it's like ah, I mean maybe I could be very well mis- misconstruing the whole thing, but that's how it kind of comes across to me. It's just give us a little bit more money. Now yeah. give us a little bit more money. You know, I, it's like I said, to a, to a point, I'm okay with it. But to a far more significant point, it's it's kind of one of those trends that I could see die down a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and I, I think with the EA backlash, it, it might. But I would hate to think that this is something that quiets down and then sneaks its way back in. Yeah, like uh, with the DLCs with the, the Arkham series there, um, they're actually pretty enjoyable for the most part like the story DLCs mm-hmm. enjoyable quality it's almost like you're buying like another comic book for like yeah, that exactly. series so it's like an addition to it and then uh, it started getting kind of crazy when you buy all these skins for your your Batmobile and well yeah that, that, that's the kind of stuff it's like like the co- even the, the cosmetic, cosmetic yeah. stuff it's like yeah I see the draw but I mean if you have that much money to blow because you want your Batmobile to look this way or like well, who doesn't want a hot pink Batmobile though, right so. exactly I keep asking for it but no one ever wants to give me one but it, it's never you know that that's fine like that that's just cosmetic stuff it's how it affects the gameplay is irrelevant with EA what they did was they made it clear that you could be the best on the field all you got to do is just take a chance give us a little bit of money mm-hmm. and we'll help you get there yeah you know so it's it's something I'd like to see a little bit more controlled and maybe be a little bit more honest about it. Exactly. Let me know what I'm going to get, and then let me know if there's... You know, I'm, all, I'm okay with the RNG stuff. Like, the random number generator stuff, yeah. as much as I have screamed when, when, when it doesn't go my way, it's, you know, I understand it in the game. But I don't like... To, you know, when you're paying for RNGs, you're, you're, you're paying to go to the slot machine. Yeah. You know, there's no guarantee you're going to get anything, but you're definitely going to throw some money into that thing. You know, and that's that's where I think we need to get a little a little bit more cleaned up, a little bit more regulated in the gaming world. Yeah, it's just interesting to kind of see where where we've come from from like when it was back on like Xbox Live Marketplace, like the original Xbox, where you, it was all just cosmetic stuff pretty much. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of DLCs back then. Even then, even though games were online, um, like you might be able to sign on to Halo or something and download a new map. But that was about it. Yeah, that's a, that that is as good as it got. And even with a lot of the MMOs that people play now. Microtransit, we're just cosmetic. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember uh, the first time I got DCU, I thought it was ridiculous. I was paying a membership to play a game, but I understood the concept. They were going to be continually adding to the game, so there has to be a revenue source. Membership was what they chose to go with. Cool. They weren't the first. But when you would open up the marketplace, there were just cosmetic stuff. You wanted your weapons to have a certain aura. Oh, there you go. Here's an aura, but you're going to pay a couple bucks for it. And then, that, you know, hey, if you had that spare cash to go, that was fine, but didn't change the gameplay. And if you want to pay for DLCs to continue moving through the game, then that was, that was solely up to you. But you still got a pretty solid base game to run around with. You know, same with WoW, same with Elder Scrolls. It was like, here's the base game. But if you want to keep up, if you want to keep going in the story, well, you got to buy the chapters. you got to buy the DLC or pay a membership. Did you ever uh, play City of Heroes? I did not ever play City of Heroes. It was a pretty decent game, but yeah, it was one of those ones that was a subscription-based, so every month they charge you to play. They usually keep the content pretty fresh, and there wasn't really, I don't think, anything else that you had to pay for at the beginning. And then after a while, there was things where you could pay to upgrade things faster. It was a pretty well-done game. Like They kept rolling out fresh content. Eventually, it got really cluttered where you just couldn't remember where everything went. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd go on and they'd offer, like, every year or something, like a respec. Because there's just so much new stuff that yeah. the old abilities, they, they don't apply anymore. Well, you, even even DC right now is starting to get a little a little top-heavy. You know, after, shoot, I don't know how many years now. It's close to ten years that it's been going, I think. Maybe seven? Yeah. Someone's going to let us know. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, it, it is a pretty top-heavy game. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. And they're always changing stuff, and they're always tweaking things. And if you were to go on the forums, there are people either love it or they hate it. But, I mean, so is so is the nature of online gaming. But uh, microtransactions are a trend that could just kind of kind of die down. There's some kind of talk that eventually the industry is going to go towards more of a, uh, a crowdfunding kind of... Before the game's even made, they're going to want people to pay for... Well, the they're, game up front. they're already play, playing that game right now with pre-orders. You can pre-order games years in advance. Yeah, like I remember when uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was first announced, you could pre-order that bad boy oh a year, two years in advance. And I remember seeing that and going, "Are you serious?" Like, and but I mean that, but again, that's you're rolling the dice with that. You know, if if you pre-ordered Mass Effect two years in advance, look at the Mass Effect you got when it came out. Yeah, roll the dice came up snake eyes. Right, exactly. You know, and, and, and that's always, I, I get the crowd, and especially with the indie scene being what it is, the crowdfunding thing's the way to go. Yeah. Um, if uh, if you have an Xbox, like, look at uh, Cuphead. Yeah. I mean, that game is killing it for an indie game. I mean, if I was to buy an Xbox tomorrow, I'm buying it specifically for that one game. But the, the crowdfunding thing is probably where things are going to, even today as a whole, that's that's kind of where we go to get yeah, exactly things done. Kind of makes you wonder if, because of how the big name uh, studios like EA and all that are kind of shitting the bed, uh, pissing off their fan base. I wonder if that's going to just kind of put more of a fire under the indie game market, where those are the ones that are going to start coming coming up. And it creates an opening for the like. I remember when the indie indie area started coming out on consoles. You know, unfortunately, I don't do a lot of PC gaming the way that I used to when I was younger, but. When the indie games hit the consoles, it was it was a world that was opened up to you, and now people realize there's a market for that. And, and there were a couple of real, real horrible indie games, but then more often than not, you're getting these excellent indie games. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to think that that's where it goes, you know. But even with the crowdfunding thing, if I throw a hundred, two hundred dollars at something, and I want it to be good, 
what do you do when it pans out? When it when it just drops out below you? Yeah. Well, that's that's two hundred dollars you'll never see again. There's never any guarantee that you're going to get a return, or the studio collapses. Yeah, and you, just recently we saw a lot of uh, the first time ever like fan backlash coming back and actually becoming a legal issue. Say with like No Man's Sky that we talked about earlier, where the fans actually kind of spoke out enough where it started being looked at for uh, false advertising. Well, they were cleared with all that, weren't they? But I mean, they yeah they they, they kind of got rag, dragged through the mud on that one. Yeah, they're going to have a hard time coming out with another title. Uh, do you know anybody that still plays No Man's Sky? Nope. Not Neither do I. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm sure they're out there. Like, if, if you were to follow their Twitter account or, or go to their Facebook, they, 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 they keep saying that they're making upgrades and all that sort of jazz, and, and their server will gladly tell you how many people are traversing the universe. But I uh, play a lot of video games. I have friends that play a lot of video games, and no one has touched No Man's Sky ever since it came out. We realized what it was. I guess as long as there's money and an internet connection, you're going to have people that are going to play shitty games. <laughs> uh, I suppose so. I mean, hey, I guess there's something for everybody. Yeah. There is somebody out there that loves No Man's Sky. I am sure of it. Yeah. Not for me. <laughs> no, never for me. Uh, the other trend... Well, one of the trends that, that I saw pop up a little while ago that I'm glad I've seen kind of die down was the HD remakes. Yeah. There was, and, and don't get me wrong, there was a lot of those games that I loved when they were out on PS2 or for PS3, and I bought into a couple of them. But, you know, outside of a few, it just seems like a quick and easy cash grab. Yeah. Uh, for example, Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now I grabbed Skyrim for PS4. Don't get me wrong, I have it for uh, Xbox One as well. Um, but and I had it for 360, but then I got rid of it for 360. Now I have it for Xbox One, just because it's a little shinier. It is a little shinier, but I mean, if you ever play these games, I mean, I I don't know. Unless you have a mind-bending TV or a mind-bending computer system, do you ever really feel? Or do you ever feel as though you've gotten, you know, a brand yeah. new game just with a shiny coat of paint? Yeah, one of the draws for the re-released uh, Skyrim for me was just that it included all the DLCs that I didn't want to pay for when I had the original. Oh, that's true. That's so it added a whole bunch for a reasonable price. But I don't have a 4K TV right now, so I don't notice the difference. At some point, the human eye is not going to be able to really no. pick up anything different because there's only so many colors out there. And I, I know that there are a lot of people, especially when I grab the new Skyrim were bragging me about how great it looked and how beautiful it is and how clean it is. And yeah, it, even on my TV, which isn't a 4K TV, it looked nicer. It felt cleaner. There were fewer crashes because Skyrim, Fallout, I mean, these are games that are just notorious for crashing on a console. <laughs> um, Thanks, Bethesda. Yep. But on the same token, I bought Skyrim because I loved Skyrim. Yeah. You know, it was always one of those games that I could just go back and play just like I... I could go back today and play Fallout 3 or Fallout 4 with... Really, no problem. I mean, it is really one of the top games that if I got stuck on a desert island with power for some reason, a TV and a console, I'm bringing it with me. But, you know, outside of that, like, there were three or four different Kingdom Hearts remakes and released well before the newest Kingdom Hearts is coming out. There, can't remember if they've released it or if they're going to release Shadow of the Colossus, which was a beautiful game when it was out and an amazing game. If you haven't played it, I would strongly recommend yeah, no, playing I, it. I saw that they're re-releasing it. Yeah, it's it's if if you've never touched it before, it is a game that is well worth touching. Hmm. But ah, you know, are, are we again just like movies? Are we are to so many ideas that we're just going to grab drag stuff along with us? 
Yeah, well, you're going to get the uh, the high-def release, and then shortly after that, you're going to get the VR release now with the PS4. Now, back to Skyrim. Now you can Oh, I know. I'm, I'm so tempted to do it just because I want to <laughs> see it, but I think I'll just wait for a demo somewhere to grab and put my face into. Just scare the family with the shouts. And... Yeah, I just want to see a dragon shoot fire into my face. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you can do that at the uh, local video game store, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Or I just stand really close to my TV. One way or the other, I'm like, I can see it for what it is. Yeah. You sit close enough, everything's VR. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, augmented reality? Augmented reality, it's uh, it's pretty interesting too. Like running around catching the Pokemon. That was a, a neat little craze. It got people outside. <laughs> yeah. Created quite the buzz. Oh uh, yeah, it created quite the problems too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people. Uh, Trespassing in areas that they shouldn't be for legal or safety reasons. You got yeah. people like going on train tracks or in power stations trying to catch a Pikachu. And I, like, I do remember hearing quite a few that were running up and down tracks trying to find a Pikachu, and it was just I'm not sure high speed trains and catching Pokemon go well together, but I could be wrong. Yeah, you know, to each their own. Uh, the train is still the undefeated champion, so <laughs> I don't know. But I was reading an article the other day on Den of the Geek, and that was you know just one of those trends that they. Either you love it or you hate it. Like, even me, I I could go without it. I'm good. I don't stare at my phone enough to begin with for it to be worth my while. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if it, if it was a wearable tech like the Google Glasses when those came out, if there was something you could do with that, it might be a little interesting. But it's not something that I'm overly eager to see come back. No. If it had a good platform and a good uh, kind of basis for a story or something, I could see an augmented reality game being really good. But the whole... Kind of drawback though is you're actually out in the real world, so you have to watch out for moving vehicles. <laughs> there walking there, there is a world in augmented reality that is around you, yes. Yeah, but the whole VR thing that's turning into quite the trend. Like I saw that they're going to try and uh, port uh, a Fallout to a VR platform, so that could oh, be that'd be fun. It'd be fun, yeah. I mean, v- VR is one of those things I could see it becoming a very just niche market. Where it's either gonna it's either gonna change the video game industry or it's it's just gonna fade into oblivion. You know, like we were talking about before, if if you you know, it's it's great when you're a gamer, you know, when when we were a lot younger, and we could invest the time in video games the way that we only wish that we could invest the time in now. And and that would be great. You can really lose yourself in the world and that's fantastic. But for those of us uh, that just can't do that, it's not really necessarily a viable option available to us. Yeah, and it ultimately comes down to where the demand is. If the demand starts shifting that way, then might end up being the only way to play video games someday. But if you look at like when we were growing up, playing video games with your friends was sitting in a, a living room, and it was split screen. That's a lot very of the, true. A lot of the console games these days are getting rid of the split screen, and it's only online because online came out, and that kind of took over, and then people were like, well, I'm only going to play split screen with my friends. Well, next game that came out, no split screen available. It's only online. Yeah, which which is unfortunate because go on gone are the days of friends beating the ever loving piss out of each other because <laughs> they picked the wrong character in 007 or they denied them of something in Mario Kart. It really is really is unfortunate the kids <laughs> won't be growing up to learn those life skills of how to dodge a punch from your best friend out of nowhere. Gone are the days of choking somebody out for screen watching. That is true. That is that is forbidden. Shame on you for watching the screen. <laughs> But it is, it is, it's, you know, it's, it's too bad. I mean, I know with uh, the re-release of the uh, little SNES Mini and the NES Mini, that's kind of, we can relive our glory days, you know, yeah. talk about our four uh, touchdowns in one game at Pokai. 
<laughs> but I mean, it's the, 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 that's. But again, that's another niche market that is pandering to those of us that have a little bit of extra cash to throw at the games. Yeah, they won. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I throw my money at that all day long. I'm actually looking forward to the uh, Nintendo 64 Mini. Just hopefully they put uh, all the right games on it. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. They, they might not put GoldenEye on just for licensing issues with Rare. Uh, and micro, Microsoft yeah. and Rare have that little budding love that they have with each other. So we might not be able to get that, but... Yeah, that'd be okay with... Uh, yeah, it would be too bad not to have that, but... Be decent to have like Orcarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I I could spend hours playing Mario Kart from the '64 and not even, not even worry about what's going on behind me. And a bunch of the uh, Nintendo '64 Star Wars titles that were so awesome. They were they were fantastic. I have no complaints with too many of those. Yeah. Which kind of which kind of brings us up to that initial point that we talked there: the ability to pause a game and walk away. Yeah, uh, a couple of articles out there uh, when you read the gaming news say that uh, the single player game, or at least seemed to have been for a little while, was on the decline. Games where it was just you and you couldn't go out there and be told by some twelve year old what he plans on doing to your mother later on. <laughs> uh, that was that was on the increase, and the single player game was on the down low because well nobody wanted to play. You couldn't play with somebody else, mm-hmm. and it seems within the past couple of years that started to make a trend. Uh, coming back up with the single player games and it looks like a lot of people are looking to have that ability to pause a game go take care of life and then come back down and sit down and enjoy it yes. that's not to say that these online games don't have a decent campaign mode but that's typically when you play Call of Duty you know, your, your campaign is done in a day or two and then you're, you're moving right into the multiplayer mm-hmm. and I actually like how uh, the consoles nowadays, like you can actually most of the games, you can actually just turn the console off, mm-hmm. and you can come back, turn it back on, and the game's just sitting in the background there. You can start back up and play. Oh, exactly. It's it, it's key to being able to deal with life and, and deal with everything that goes on around it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if uh, if we look at it uh, for kind of the demographics for that, for the single-player games, if it would be kind of the older crowd that has to have the ability to hit pause and run and deal with life and the cooking dinner and the screaming kids and well you would think so I mean I still have another five or six years before my son learns to be quiet while daddy plays video games so <laughs> I, I you, you would imagine that that's how it is but you still have solid AAA titles coming out you have uh, yeah. uh, you had the latest uh, Assassin's Creed pop up yeah. you had Horizon Zero Dawn that was that was making people blow their minds left right and center Nintendo killed it with Mario Odyssey and uh, Zelda yeah you know, those are you know these are games that, that people are just drawn to. And let's take a break from the multiplayer. You know, I, I like shooting my friends as much as the next guy, but it's always nice to be able to just kind of do what we always use video games for. It's a chance to sit down, turn your brain off, and relax for a little while. And I also find that like sometimes with how the games have kind of been the trend, where it's been mostly the online components, what's focused on, it almost seems like they're rushing it out to try and beat their competitors where they rush at a title that's not exactly finished as we were talking about earlier like but you get games like the division or wildlands by tom clancy there mm-hmm. um they sound really awesome all the previews going up to it sound great all the promises sound great and then you get this game that kind of just falls flat and doesn't really deliver on what it promised so yeah well, it's, it, it also it also says something about today's market like there is a desire to have new games out every other tuesday because we've we've blown through the game that was released last Tuesday, and I understand that there's a huge demand out there. Like there's a lot more gamers today than there was when you and I were a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's still like you said when you're rushing products out there, you're 
you're cutting corners and it's great that we have online. It's great that you can patch it on the go, but you're still sending out a pretty garbage product if you're not paying attention. Yeah. EA. Looking <laughs> at EA. And, but then also yeah, Bethesda that sends out their games, which are primarily single player games that are buggy as all hell. But oh, absolutely! Just, I mean, it's it's half the fans love them though. Half of the joy of playing a Bethesda game is waiting for to find the first bug, or after uploading it to your system, waiting an extra hour while we get all the updates that they've had to release. Yeah, you know, or but, before the updates come out, you get stuck in a rock, or your face kind of goes inside out. Or why do you? Well, why do you think Bethesda can get away with something like that? Where you know we're willing to hang EA for any sort of misstep they do. I think it's. A big thing is just the depth of the story that they kind of come up with. Like, you can play Skyrim for like days and just never run out of anything to do. Like, some people have taken up uh, a second life in Skyrim where they don't actually go do any of the quests. What they do is they actually have a life where they have their wife, kids, and their lumberjack or something where they're cutting trees down. Yeah, that's very true. I've I've, I've seen that kind of behavior before with a couple of friends that just. <laughs> Get on. I mean, I. That being said, I have friends that play GTA, get in a car, and just drive around listening to the radio. I mean, and and to each their own. By so, all I guess means. it's a kind of an escape. But with Bethesda, I think it's a big thing, and it's just kind of the richness and the depth of the story that we're willing to kind of turn a blind eye to the, the fact that you're stuck in that corner or stuck in a rock or yeah, something didn't quite render properly. That's true, and the, the 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 nonstop crashes for the first few days that you get the game anyway. Yeah. That's that's always good. Without saving, game just crashes and goes on you. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 very very true. And and I often get the impression with with studios like Bethesda, they're not always rushing stuff up. I mean, they they look at Fallout Four when they announced Fallout Four versus by the time Fallout Four finally came along, mm-hmm. fans were just content to know they were working on it. Yep. That, and that was just it, which which speaks highly to the quality of the game and and to the fan base. Like I, even with movies, video games, books, a lot of stuff, I can forgive a lot of sins. As long as you're, in the end, going to give me a quality product. Mm-hmm. When you start rushing stuff out, it really just kind of makes me irritated because you didn't take the time. You don't care. You just wanted my money. Or at least that's how it feels. And that's prob- probably a big issue with the EA uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 there was that they did kind of rush it out before The uh, Last Jedi was in theaters because they wanted to kind of catch the, the hype. And uh, they kind of missed their mark, and it should have been an easy mark to stick. Like you should have been able to come out with a game that Star Wars fans would have played. But the best part about Star Wars is you don't need a movie release to get somebody to buy your game. No, Star Wars itself is a name that sells. You, you just, I mean, it's it's one of those franchises that has a following that is both rabid and dedicated all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they never would have needed Last Jedi. They didn't need to rush. All you'd have to say is, by the way, kids, we're working on a new Star Wars game. Yeah. See in a couple of years, that would be enough to make people happy. Yeah. To know that there's a, a Star Wars game coming? Shit, yes. There's a lot of Star Wars titles out there that have been cancelled that I'm really disappointed about. Like, uh, the one where there was the Bounty Hunter game. Um, there's another one, I think it was like called like 1335 or something like that. Oh, duh, yeah, yeah. I know which ones you're talking about there. Yeah. I've, I've forever been looking for them to start up a new uh, Rogue Squadron series. Yeah. Like for the GameCube and for the 64, like I could not get enough of those games. Like I love them to pieces. And I'm amazed that they've never gone back and tapped into that market. Yeah, it's astounding that they haven't because from what I've heard is like the best part about uh, Battlefront 2 is like the dogfighting. Like, yeah. The scenes are amazing. 
the gameplay is fun. That's better than the actual on the boots on the ground part. Yeah. Anybody I've ever seen play Battlefront? I mean, even even the first one, it was a mad dash to get into a Tie Fighter or an X-wing. Yeah, you know, I so I and it was uh, Rogue Squadron was always a game that always just kind of of all the games that we've remade for HD purposes only. I'm amazed that we've never been able to get on that. I can only assume it's a licensing issue. Yeah, but on the same token. Uh, if they suddenly wanted to give me an HD version of Rogue Squadron on Xbox or PS4, I would gladly throw my money at that problem. So, we'll just end on uh, a little bit of hope that next year, gaming companies going to smarten up and listen to the fans and pull their heads out of their asses. And inevitably give me the HD remake of Rogue Squadron that I so desperately need in my life. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. <laughs> All right. like to drop us a line you can find us on twitter at nerdy and podcast you can find me carrie at the big bald nerd you can also find us on facebook instagram and youtube drop us a line let us know what you think let us know what you'd like us to cover let us know what you'd like to hear matt be wrong about and me be right about and it also wouldn't be right unless we gave credit where credit is due i'd like to thank matt for all his hard work without him there's no way this podcast would be able to go i'm carrie the big bald nerd at nerdium saying have a great night guys and we'll talk to you later bye-bye